We're the only show in the universe that does business birthdays, and we've got a great one today. Happy birthday, Betty James. Well, you don't know her, but you will. You should. This is The Focus Group. It's the savvy side of 9 to 5. Listen. Bueller. 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 Laugh. <laughs> and learn. Negotiation. This is what you do in business. This is The Focus Group with Tim Bennett. S-T-A-U-N-C-H. And John Nash. Keep your clothes looking neat and clean. We're all business. Except when we're not. Hey, happy day before Valentine's Day. It's Lover's Day. I was going to wear a red shirt today, but I didn't. I'm here with my good friend and co-host, John Nash. Did you wear red today? I did not wear Valentine's red. Day. I am not in red. Your boys, the boys in the booth, did anybody wear red for Valentine's Day? Nobody wore red. I wore blue. <laughs> you, you know, somebody told me that you could pretty much guess that any guy's got either black, blue, or gray on, and I think we're pretty much negative. <laughs> Garrett, what are you wearing today? You've got green on or gray? Olive. Yeah, olive and then a blue shirt. There we go. And Boys Steve, are in blue. Steve's, Steve's got black on. Black and, and John is that black. I got black on black. And you're blue and I'm blue and white. Yeah, yeah. Right. There you go. Isn't that exciting? <sighs> How are you, Mr. Nash? I am good. I'm I'm kind of this happens in February to me. Uh like middle of February comes, like around Valentine's Day, and then I'm like, oh my God, we're halfway through the second month of the new year, and it's like moving. And winter is going to be out the door in like a month and a half, right? Maybe. Maybe, yeah. It seems to snow now here on the East Coast in April and March, right? Mm-hmm. Are you and your lover or your husband going out for, for do you do Valentine's Day dinners? That you know, when we, uh, no, the short answer is no. When we first started dating, Valentine's Day was a, I never liked the holiday. Do you cook a meal at home and do little, Oh, I was leave little rose petals on the way to the boudoir? <laughs> oh boy, you got a you got a vision of that household. <laughs> you come home and you've sprinkled some rose petals down the hallway. And... It's more like I'm allowed to watch a Star Trek movie or something. Um, that's my Valentine's. There's no Day romance gift. in that house. That's romance. If John's allowed to put on Star Trek: The Wrath of Khan for the millionth time, then you know that's love, man. Because maybe Bob that. will do something this year if he's listening. No, we used to do things, and Bob used to do uh, very nice. He actually treats my birthday more like a big holiday right. than Valentine's Day. And I think it was on the second or third year we were going out. And I'm like, do you really? We both just had this conversation almost at the same time. Do we need to pay attention to this? And he's like, I'd rather not. I'm like, oh, we're free. We're absolved. We're free. So um, if you had your way, you'd be free of all holidays. Not my birthday. I like birthdays. I don't mind Christmas. Um, no, you would like to not have to do. do oh, oh the yeah. It's all this. Obligation. Obligation, correct. Like, hey, who who hates Memorial Day? I like Memorial Day. Do you like July Fourth? I like July Fourth. I like Thanksgiving. I like I Thanksgiving. Is a, a nice pure holiday. It's a pure, real American holiday. Mm-hmm. No religion involved, is there? The Pilgrims and the Indians. USA, USA. <laughs> that was a few weeks ago. I, yeah, I uh, I don't know. So yeah, no Thanksgiving's good. So um, so today we've got a couple of articles. You picked one about which is in the news for the last few weeks about um, keeping yourself in line with your social media. Oh, that, that one's called uh, Scouring Hollywood's Background Before Someone Else Gets There First. Which yeah. I thought was interesting. And then there was one about bias and hiring, which was just a pretty pretty quick one as well. But, I like uh, that one, though, too. Well, no surprises there, I guess. I don't know. Did you think any surprises? Uh, no. And the way they were, well, when we get to it, the way they worded some of the stuff I thought was really spot on the money because of what you and I talk about a great deal. So this article is going to talk about 
unconscious bias, often in hiring, but you and I have often said in the past, the first impression you make is probably the one people are going to be left with. Yeah. And no matter how hard people try to unwind a first impression, the minute they see you, boom. You know, I mean, we, we used to talk about standing up when you meet your interviewer, dressing appropriately, you know, um, just things like that. But then there are things that are completely out of your control. And, and th th those are the ones that are the dangerous ones because someone's going to make an association or something. And it's because of something you can't control. And I think that that's what that talks about. Right. And I was, I was always very quick when I was a headhunter because you're really just trying to find the needle in the haystack for a lot of these companies. And my friend Kate had the term, which I don't think she came up with, but she used it a lot, was the air cushion interview. Oh, yeah, before the, means, I love that. Which means you, you made a decision whether this person was moving on before the air got out of the cushion when they sat down. Yeah. <laughs> Isn't that, but, you know, let's, let's be honest. I think that happens. I think it's, I think we do it all the time unconsciously, which is why it's called unconscious bias. So, so what, uh, what caught your eye this week? What caught your eye? Here's what Tim and John found. All right. Uh. New York Times had a, uh, they have something called the, uh, you know, the working better section or, and it's basically tips for work and memory and, you know, working smart, the whole thing. And this guy did this article that I just was really fascinated by. And the title is a simple way to better remember things, draw a picture. Now, at first you might say, you know, this is kind of crazy. And in fact, the article says there is no shortage of mnemonic tricks you can use to remember things, but the three-act technique of picturing something in your mind, putting pen to paper, then looking at your drawing is a powerful memory trick that outperforms other strong strategies when it comes to memory, according to a study published recently in the Journal of Psychology. Um, drawing improves memory more than at least a few tasks that have been touted in the past as strong mnemonics. Now, they even go down to the level of if you're thinking of a word or a task, you you sketch something. Now, do you do do draw or doodle? I doodle, but I was wondering about this because I thought if you were, is this apply to a student? It's anybody. It's anybody. So if you're learning American history, yeah. So let's say you're uh, and you want to. Oh, great, great example, Tim. So let's say you're learning American history and you just you had you learned that George Washington had fake teeth that were made of wood. So you want to remember that, right? What would you draw? I don't know. <laughs> it's a good I question. Think I would just remember it. I don't know. That's, I'm, that's why I was curious about it. Do they give examples of things they drew? Like on that 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 board you had up there, if you're watching on the like a, a whiteboard. Um, what were some of the things? If you go in on one of them, was there something with it that was a? This is something that someone put together. Um, a pictorial. Yeah, I just found it on, online, but I don't think it's what he was doing. So he, but he says in further research, they found that. Um, it, it works on word definitions, pictures, and abstract thoughts and ideas. And so the act of having to figure out what you will draw or doodle to make you remember is the actual thing of making the memory. Raining it in the head. Yeah, so you, the, the drawing sense. itself is almost immaterial, but the fact that you have to think of how you're going to interpret something visually is what causes I guess I would that. do a tree and, a, and some teeth. I would draw some teeth. And a law, a law, or a, yeah, you, I draw, I draw a two by four and a, and a, and a. Like the Rolling Stone mouth. Remember that with the tongue. <laughs> and you are put we, a are we still back at the George Washington with the fake yeah, wooden teeth example? Teeth, okay, teeth. I, I know do. where I came up with that one. That's. Um, so it also is interesting that this effect, when they study the age groups of younger or older people, um, 
all age gaps are blown away by the technique, meaning if you're younger, it's the same effectiveness as if you're 80 or 70 or 60. So in terms of like an older brain staying active and fresh, apparently drawing things and doodling things is a very good so thing. So is this very similar to you and I just gave a couple of presentations recently where it was just pictures? Yes, that's exactly right. Yeah, so instead great... of having a PowerPoint full of words, words you show an image picture. or you show a picture and that triggers to say, okay, I'm going to talk about this, A, yeah. B, and C. So, so, that, okay, so, so that, and then another, and then he says, uh, in other words, drawing out the things we want to remember can be a powerful technique to combat our natural declines in memory, better even than repeatedly writing them down or listing characteristics and descriptions. So, uh, that was my thing. I just thought it was kind of interesting. I don't know how I will ever put this into use personally because I'm a list writer, but you know, I doodle a lot too. So maybe it's like, I don't know. Well, you write things. Oh, yeah. I'm trying to like, uh, so another stupid one is you're, you're, you need to renew your auto insurance policy, right? I guess you draw a car and a dollar bill, <laughs> but that could mean you're going to buy the car or sell. I don't know. You're going to do it anyway. Yeah. I think it's, I think you're right. It's for something that's probably more abstract and you're trying to say, yeah, I don't know if I can remember that. Yeah. What goes first? Because we used to, when we were, when we were growing up, used to do things based upon letters, right? You would make a... Yep. A sentence out of something, which the first letters would then be the... Mm -hmm. And that forced you to remember what you, yeah. You know. What was the KISS principle? Keep it, keep keep it, it simple, simple, stupid. Well, yes. I think that last S was added on later, but it used to just be KISS, K-I-S. And then keep it simple. Stupid. And then someone added on the stupid part. Yes. <laughs> so, or, or what was the other one when you... When you assume you make an ass, ass out, out of you, you and me, yeah. So that is that the same thing, I wonder? Mm, close, yeah. All right. Mine, I thought, um, well, I didn't know what to think. But the headline says, Trump called Nepal and Bhutan nipple and button <laughs> in his recent intelligence briefing. And I, I thought this was a joke at first until I actually saw the person interviewed on CNN and went through the whole thing about what happened in this intelligence briefing. So apparently there was some discussion. He was going to have a meeting with the um, Prime Minister uh, Theresa May from the UK, Prime Minister of, of, of the UK. And, you know, Nepal and Bhutan and, and um, there's an air base mm -hmm. off the tip of India in the middle of the, the ocean, Indian Ocean north of Australia with an air base called Diego Garcia. So he was supposed to be getting this briefing about this because we, so Diego Garcia is owned by the British. It's a British Indian overseas territory. And they took it from Mauritius when it used to be a colony, you know, all the typical okay. colonialism yep. stuff. But since, uh, since the 60s, we have taken it over from Britain, forcibly removed, they said, forcibly re removed all the inhabitants. It's in a, you'll say it right, atoll? Atoll. Atoll. It's an atoll. So, so it's basically were, like a, it's, rock it's a rock sticking up out of the water. Okay. It's a rock with two huge air bases. Our only other bigger air, biggest air bases in Guam for heavy oh, bombers okay. in, the, in the Pacific or that area. And then it's got uh, deep moorings for heavy, heavy ships, Frankridge. So they're trying to explain to him about what was happening in Nepal and Bhutan. And he kept saying nipple and button. And they said, well, no, these are countries. He says, oh, no, they're part of India. And they said they could understand. They said many presidents, and they used President Obama, for example. They said he didn't have a lot of foreign affairs experience, but he listened and he learned and he wanted to, to understand and he was inquisitive and curious. So there's a map, if you're watching, of where Bhutan and, and uh, Nepal are, and it's right near India, but it's not part of India. And he's pointing that it's part. He goes, nipple and button here are part of India. 
<laughs> button. So what the whole gist of what he was supposed to thank Theresa May for was the British have extended our lease on Diego Garcia for another 20 years to 2036. He said, so you need to discuss with her about there was some sort of military arrangement they were going to do with the deal. And they said his only two questions were, where is it? So he's, they show him again on the map where Diego Garcia is. He said, are the people nice there and how are the beaches? <laughs> it's an atoll. There's they no said it's a military base. base. There's no people living there. Two big airstrips. We've got some big aircraft carriers and a fleet of ships and some heavy bombers. But they're thinking he was trying to figure out if maybe he could build a hotel there. So when you brought this up the other day, we were talking about this and it's less, less for not, all right, we're not, we're not knocking the president. Yeah, we but are. I, but I think the bigger, <laughs> well, the bigger thing is for, for the, for most Americans and most people in the, in the workplace, you have a CEO or a manager or a boss. So I relate this story to what happens when you report to someone who doesn't know and this happens all, this is what yeah. we talked about. This happens all the time. They don't know an aspect of the business. They don't know what you do. They don't know a product that's made or something because they're big picture people or the decision makers. That's what you're dealing with, right? Or they've checked out, right? They're not interested. Well, you and I, when we were talking about this, the, uh, you know, around Vanity Fair broke that, was it Vanity Fair? Someone broke the story about the executive time on the president's schedule right. where he basically I don't know what he's doing. Watching TV. Watching TV. And they said in this, in this one article, they said that Paul Ryan was in the Oval Office discussing the Republican health care initiative. And, and, and during the meeting, Trump just stood up, walked down the hall, walked out down the hall into another room and turned on the TV. Not interesting. So you have the Speaker of the House, which is actually the third person in line to be the president if something happens, right? Not interested. <laughs> totally like, you know... <laughs> well, they even said in this article, speaking of your pictures, because he's known to not, he doesn't want to read. So lots of things are done with, with pictures and graphics, and they pepper all their conversations with Mr. President Trump, President Trump, President, because he likes to hear President Trump. He likes to hear that. So there's lots of identifying him by name and title and pictures of here. <laughs> oh, there's nipple and button. <laughs> So not the onion. Uh... It's real, right? It's actually this is actually real. This was not. Yeah, when you told this to me, I I just it, it was it's the same it's the same slew of stories that kind of always trickle out of that White House of, you know. You know, I there was another article that came out recently where um, he hadn't been to Mar-a-Lago in quite a while, but apparently went down recently and just felt immediately energized. And one of the club members said the reason that he feels that way is because he'll often say to people at Mar-a-Lago, he's, he's surrounded by idiots in the White House. But down at Mar-a-Lago, he's a star. Yeah. And that's the, that's the role this, this weird reality TV show we find ourselves in has him placed in, right? Yeah, it's, um, it's uh, well... I think everybody's off the impeachment ballgame until we, if, if it never a report comes out, but it's more like at this point, let's just ballot box. Do it at yeah, the ballot vote. box. Gotta vote. vote. Gotta vote. So, our, our business birthday this week. Everyone does celebrity birthday greetings, but the Focus Group is the only show in the universe that celebrates business birthdays. Now, you'll remember this, John. So, we celebrated the birthday of Richard James about probably two, three months ago. He invented the Slinky. Yes. And they mentioned his wife just briefly. 
she came up with the name Slinky. She combed through a thesaurus. Because didn't didn't he leave? Yes, he packed up and left the family. Went like to a some monastery cult. or something. okay, okay, some, some religious cult okay. down okay. in Bolivia. But so her name popped up as a birthday. So February thirteenth, nineteen eighteen. She died November twentieth, two thousand eight, in Philadelphia. She's the person who came so up with the name. This is Slinky. why she's in the deck. I thought you had not. Yeah, no. So she she came up with the name Slinky. And uh, her husband actually conceived the toy idea in 1943. He was working at a shipbuilding company in Philadelphia. There was a torsion spring that fell off the table and started mm -hmm. doing what a slinky does. So they came up with that idea. They sold it to Gimbel's in downtown Philadelphia. They had 400 units. They sold them in 90 minutes, and they were a dollar each. So they kept the business going until 1960. And he decided um, business was just kind of fading a little bit as more popular toys were coming on board. And she was adamant about keeping the price of the toy affordable and at a dollar. And they even said, it reminds me of the Costco hot dog, because they said in today's numbers, the Slinky would be about $14, but it's still about $1.89, $2.69, depending on upon where you are. And her, up until she, when she was in control in the late 90s, said, so many children can't have toys. I always wanted to make sure that they could and they were affordable. Right. So that's why she kept the price low. But it's like the Costco hot dog, right? A dollar fifty and a drink. Well, Costco's a hot losing, dog and losing a drink. money on that yeah, hot dog. But it's right? keep yeah. you in there. So he he packs up and moves to Bolivia to, to join the Bible uh, Wycliffe Bible translators. And left her alone with the with six kids, six young kids, and um and this company that was just kind of doing eh. So they came up with the Slinky Dog, which saved the company. And, you know, Slinky Dog is one of the main characters, like a, a supporting character in the Toy Story movie. And again, in 1995, when the Toy Story came out, they redid the Slinky oh. Dog. <laughs> and it turned, the, so the dog turned around the first sales slump in 1960. And then again, they said they issued a new version in 1995, and it was another top seller. Overall, there's been 300 million Slinky toys that have been sold. Three, and that includes the dog and yeah, the, all the regular, of, okay. all types of stuff. She uh, she took over management of the firm, as I said, and responsibility for all the six children. Ran the company until she sold it to a company called Poof Products of Plymouth, Michigan, in 1998. And uh, wait, 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 wait. Poof. Poof. B o b o o f. Poof Products. <laughs> I, uh, I'm drawing conclusions. You got to look it up. <laughs> so she was inducted into the Toy Industry Hall of Fame. She died at 90 uh, of congested heart failure at the University of Pennsylvania Hospital in Philly, but she lived her whole life in Hollidaysburg, which is where James Industries was headquartered, which was the original uh, company that made the Slinky. So I, I, I just think for, uh, I can't imagine, 1960, think about it, she got six kids. Oh. He let's... packs up and goes and says, I'm out. And God bless her, she kept it going. And you and I both know from our parents that it was 1960. You said he decides yep. to like. Yep. So, yeah, I remember when my mom and uh, my mom and dad got divorced, and years and years later, I was talking to my mom about the whole thing, and she just said, because I knew she was unhappy for a long time, and I just said, uh, "Why didn't you do this earlier?" And she said, "You couldn't do it earlier." No. The societal roles were that the husband did this, this, and this, and she was a teacher. I mean, it was the respectable or the normal careers for women were teacher, nurse, like, and Secretary. they were exactly. And so, what? A ch so, I think it's a great business birthday because she takes the husband who goes to a Bible thing in Bolivia, but leaves a family. Yeah, leaves the kind of Altoona, you know, Central PA area. Six kids, a wife, and oh, here you'll figure it out. I'm going to go help people understand it.
So I'm glad she. I'm glad she did well, and I'm glad. And I'm, well, she, I'm glad. She sold it. Yeah, and I'm glad that they they stuck around long enough to come up with Slinky Dog and the whole bit because these are like toys in my mind that are just iconic. That was one of the last pictures ever, and so I. I it's uh, we very rarely get a good business a female, birthday. Female business birthday. Good business so birthday. It was a good one. The um, hey friends of friends of ours on the show here and friends of you. Are you our friends? What I'm trying to say, listeners. No. <laughs> I feel like I got an Adele Winnie or something. <laughs> Have you been to a dispensary or something? Getting that medical stuff? Own your robes, own your own obsession with deep discount. There you go. That's, there that's you our, go. That's uh, you. They've got a new tagline, John. I do like deep it. Discount. Own your. I do like own your obsession. Own your obsession. So everybody knows deep discount's been with us here and is a good friend of ours here on the Focus Group. If you go to focusgroupradio.com, click on the deep discount logo and start saving right now for the month of February. Mm. There's a special one-time use coupon for 15% off your purchase. And uh, it, you're, it's not eligible for um, games or game consoles and can't be used with other other coupon offers. But um, load up your shopping cart and get the 15% off at checkout. You have to hit in uh, the code for the focus group, which is? FG15. 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 Is your code. Now, before you continue, on your I, the tagline, Own Your Obsession, yeah. every time I see it, I smile because years and years ago, you remember a friend of ours named Steve? Steve Kimberlin. Yeah. So uh, I guess he used to work at like... Uh, he was walking, either he worked there or he was walking through Bloomingdale's or something, and they had these, the spritzers, the people with the cologne, and someone's going, obsession for men, obsession, you know, Calvin. Remember that. Obsession, and then he goes, thanks, I already have one. <laughs> so there you go. <laughs> so what is the sale this week? So it's the award-winning uh, film sale, and uh, so John and I each have two picks, plus there's a new release. So what did you pick this week, John? I picked a, a multi-disc set of a show that we caught a while ago that is in my opinion, gripping, and I think it's a must-see. It's called The Honorable Woman. Did you see The Honorable Woman? Maggie Gyllenhaal and uh, Andrew Buchan. She's from The Dark Knight, and he's from Broadchurch. She plays a a woman named Nessa Stein. Her father was an Israeli, in, in, in the fictional accounting, her father was an Israeli arms manufacturer. He's killed, though, in a terrorist attack in, in Jerusalem or in Israel proper. And she and her brother take over the business, but she desperately wants peace with the Palestinians. And the Is this in subtitles? No. Okay. I mean, some sections do have it when they're talk when she does go to Palestine and Jerusalem. I think it sounded maybe, but it, maybe it, I did see parts. It's of it. an incredible, tense, tense, tense uh, show. And at the very last scene, where she conf- well, she confronts someone, and you see it, they they capture the conflict there. I think perfectly in this this dialogue between these two people. So, my pick is the Honorable Woman. It was a BBC production, and I think it's a three disc set. So, um, it's on DVD. I would definitely check it out. It's it's a really incredible show. And I picked something totally different. I've been on this obsession for men. <laughs> own your own obsession oh. of all things that I either have not seen or I haven't seen in a while, and or I've loaned and haven't got mm. back. So it's so when the sale's going on, it's a good time to pick up these things. So I picked To Kill a Mockingbird. Wonderful movie. Just thirty percent off. It's one of the few movies I think. Maybe you can disagree. That I think the the uh, book and the movie are both well done. Oh my god! Yeah. Obviously the book's well done, but a lot of times when things are made into movies, this is true. Very true, true, to, the, true the book, to the story. Yeah. So it's a Harper Lee's Pulitzer Prize winning um, and artfully delicate. Uh, they took her novel and, and translated into the big screen with, of course, legendary actor Gregory Peck. And do you think that anybody else could have done that role? 
because of he, his ilk then yeah, and you know the other thing that makes the movie so so incredibly powerful to me is black and white yeah and there's this there's this kind of almost journalistic truth to that to black and white like but, he, but he commands the screen in, yeah. in such a subtle way that's it's, it's I was amazing. trying to think what about Jimmy Stewart you know Too folksy I, I think that Gregory Peck was a perfect pick yeah. because he had that quality of being relatable, but he could also be really smart and he could say things a certain way. That's, how, that's how he got the Academy Award, right? Yeah. So anyway, you can get it for uh, under $11, right? Really? Now, at, uh, at Deep Discount. ten forty nine. It's on the DVD. And uh, so To Kill a Mockingbird, it was re-released in 2012. came out in 1962. And it's a ter- it's a great 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 pick, Tim. What's the uh, what's the new a movie I have been waiting to get on Blu-ray or DVD? I'll probably, I want I'll probably to do as the- well, and I haven't. I didn't even see it in the theater. Did you? No. And this is and Bob was really angry about this because he wanted to see this, and I'm like, oh, we'll go tomorrow night. We'll go tomorrow, and then it was out. Go on. It's Bohemian Rhapsody, and it stars uh, Rami. Mal- I always, I never pronounce his last name right. Rami Malik. Malik, Malik. He was in Mr. Robot on USA Networks, but he plays Freddie Mercury. And it's less a movie about him and it's less about Freddie Mercury. It's all about Queen. And the, the movie ends with one of their most iconic live performances, which turned out to be Live Aid. Right. Um, and I, I actually saw some trailers and pieces of that on YouTube of the, uh, of the concert. It looks like they did an amazing job recreating that whole stadium. And the Bob, was it Bob Geldof was the, uh, yeah. was the producer. 1985 that happened. <clears throat> yep. So, um, Bohemian Rhapsody is out now. Highly recommend it. I think he was nominated for, um, best actor. Yeah, I'm not, I think so. Yeah, I'm pretty sure. I haven't seen the, I haven't, I haven't seen the, uh, or paid attention to, to the list. Yeah. And, uh, I, I've paid attention to some of it, particularly the animated sh- category. <laughs> but, you know, I they came out, they released Best This, Best That, and I said, oh, I saw this, I saw that. You know, but I, it's one of those things that... Uh, My biggest surprise, which happened probably two years ago about Freddie Mercury, was I had no idea he was Indian. No, no. And that comes up in the, this movie. That, that comes up with his relationship to his family, but I had no idea that he was from an Indian background, yeah. uh, living in England. Yeah. All right, so um, it is the award-winning film sale over at Deep Discount. Get there by going to focusgroupradio.com. Click on the shark, Arr, aptly called Sharky the Shark. And our favorite month, uh, when Deep Discount allows us to give you a code to use uh, to get 15% off your entire purchase. One-time use only. Good on everything except games and game consoles and can't be the coupons. The code is, the code is, you remember password? The, the word is FG15. So Tim picked... To Kill a Mockingbird, an amazing film, great pick. You always surprise me on these. Some, I, you know, I know, never know where you're going to go, yeah, but it takes work, now. <laughs> I picked the Honorable Woman, a BBC production, fantastic uh, show. It's gripping, and the release this week is Bohemian Rhapsody. We're going to take a really quick break, but first, Garrett. Thanks, Deep Discount. I had to like Boy, I looked at the booth. I saw Garrett was ready. I'm like, uh oh, what am I doing? We're gonna take a super quick break, and when we return, we have two shop talks for you to go over. So stay with us. You're listening to the Focus Group with Tim and John. Learn more at focusgroupradio.com. Focus on the savvy side of 9 to 5 with the Focus Group. Try, really try. Listen, laugh, and learn with Tim and John. I never try anything. I just do it. Hey, welcome back to the Focus Group. We hope you're enjoying our live show here at 1 p.m. 
and uh, go like us. <laughs> we need people. <laughs> we get yelled at for not having, you know, people have to Sometimes go like Sometimes I us. marvel. I watch you, and I think you're mesmerized by the red light. I'm looking at the, the red light, I and mean, I'm thinking, you know, it's Valentine's Day tomorrow, the red light. But go like us. Do Give us some love. That's what you're thinking? Yeah, because. Red light, Valentine's, Valentine's Day. Day. Because you told me to draw pictures earlier, so I'm seeing a picture of the red light. <laughs> I told Valentine's you to draw. Day. See how guys. See how this goes. So I wanted. I, I, we need to. We need to get likes on our focusgroupradio.com and our Facebook page. The focus. Oh. Group. Two Facebook pages. People will not switch. As Madame Bossman used to say to us in our our joint classes, Mon Dieu. Il est dans la lune. Il est sur la lune. Il est sur la lune. He's on the moon. Il est. The other one is you're in the moon, but but mon Dieu means my God. Like what's going? C'est fou. What's you know, going on? All my, crazy. all my years of of there's three things I remember of all my French and Spanish. Which is one was uh, <laughs> le le chanson le 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 chanson chante une chanson bon. All right. Yo no tengo que estudiar esa tarde Lorenzo. That's Spanish. I remember all these little rhymes they made us do. But that didn't help us get a ticket. <laughs> and it didn't get us to the UN either. So, <laughs> Barcelona, and they were speaking Catalonian, and John's yelling at me that I didn't know Spanish. How can you and, know what they're saying? And in Barcelona, I was warning people about the gypsies, <laughs> and then someone takes me aside and tells me that a gypsy is like, you don't say gypsy bad or it's a bad word. word. You can't say anything anymore, John. You can't say anything. You can't do anything anymore. Anyway. So, shop talk. Quick one here. The headline is, there's less implicit bias against sexual orientation and race, but more against weight. So, so this, so implicit bias is an unco- it's unconscious right. bias, right? Yeah. Okay. I would say, wouldn't you? Yeah. So, you know, there's lots of, they, so they did this study. They said they looked at uh, 4.4 million tests between 05 and uh, 2016. And essentially they said body weight bias is actually slightly worse than it has been in the past. They said from 2004 to 2010, body weight bias increased by 40%, meaning that people were more biased against people that could be overweight um, versus whether it was uh, they were biased against somebody's race or gender or their orientation. Or orientation. And, uh, and, and what we were talking about at the top of the show when we were kind of teasing this article was this idea that you meet someone for the very first time and they do this incredibly fast. <laughs> yep. <laughs> Nicely said. And the red light wasn't even on for that one. They do this incredible calculation of what, it, and we all do it. We see something, an object or a person, we, we form a, a pain, we form quick imp- opinions of it. This one though is the one that I think is, when you read, when I read this line, it says, we typically think about body weight, people in general, as something that people can control. And so we are more likely to make the moral judgment of, well, you should just change your behavior. You know, it's kind of like when we interviewed Gene Neidich from right. Weight Watch, the founder of Weight Watchers, and her advice was, put the fork down. That's my doctor's advice, too. Put down the fork. I, but that's almost said in a way that I think is morally interesting as if you know like as if that's the reason you're overweight or something is because you eat obviously you eat too much like you know what i'm getting yeah. at so it's or interesting. if you can't take care of yourself how are you right. going to take care of business and dot 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 and i'd heard people say that um when i used to be on hiring committees and although i the one the one thing i do not question but there are times where you're looking for a specific type of person mm-hmm. And for well, instance, you, when I was hiring people to handle skiing or well, that's outdoor or, athletic, right, or kayaking or yeah. something, 
Um, it made sense for me to hire a 20-something male or female that they might not have been a skier, but it looked like they could be a skier because they, they were dealing with the, role. the ski industry and talking to the consumer. And I know there was actually, a, I think there was a lawsuit against Abercrombie and Fitch back in the day because they said they were profiling too much. They were hiring essentially models, right, with great bodies. The, the, the whole, that was their the whole image of their brand. Was there used to be guys with no shirts on standing outside the door of the store. Right, and right? that was the image of the brand. And I never had a problem with it because I always thought, I've never been to a Chinese restaurant and had anybody other than a Chinese person serve me. <laughs> that's I, you're, that's one of your go-to examples that I never find fault with because is it true? It's just it is just a fact. You I'm know, a it's just restaurant. I don't want Jose serving me at a Chinese restaurant. <laughs> right? No. Just like I don't want you wouldn't mind, but you just don't see it. Well, or, or when I go no, it, or when I go to a Mexican restaurant, I I want it to be authentic. I go to a Japanese restaurant. If I want mm -hmm. to get good sushi, there, I don't want Tim Bennett making sushi behind the counter. That, you just you nailed another example. So every Japanese restaurant I've ever been to, the sushi chefs are all the Japanese, and they're and they're doing the thing. Yeah. With and I'm amazed at how they do it. But it would be yes, it's it, and it fits the it fits the thing. You're like, oh, I'm having sushi. I, I guess in our current climate, are we even allowed to have this discussion? Well, we're probably in trouble. <laughs> no, but Abercrombie and Fitch, Abercrombie Fitch got in trouble because somebody wanted to wear, I think it was a hijab or something, and they said no head. We don't. Nobody wears anything on their heads. Now, in fact, if you're a male and you're an outdoor and Molly, so she's suit, and I think she actually won. But this is about. So this takes it a step further, I think, in terms of just your overall appearance, right? So if somebody's heavy, um, there's they, more bias against them than even even gender or. Or, uh, and or it's race out of their control. LGBT. For, if it's unconscious bias, if it's, yeah. an, it's an interviewer, like they could, but I think it would just be aware of it. If, if you feel that it's, it's I, and I think that hopefully if that situation arises and you feel that someone's Did making Did you have it, bias when you hired people that you know of? Um, not really, no. Not that I can think of. In fact, if you you remember all our staff, I mean, everybody was pretty, you know, cool. And, so yeah, you know. and, and the reason I said that is because you own two agencies that catered to the LGBT. But most of our staff were, were straight. straight. That's <laughs> why I'm saying. So, you know, you could have said, "Oh no, we're yeah, just going to hire right, gay right. people." No, it was, that's a great question. All right. So what's this. The, what's the second one? This is another quick one, but I, I the broader takeaway here is what I was most interested in. And the headline reads, Scouring Hollywood's Background Before Someone Else Gets There First. So Kevin Hart was announced to be the uh, the host of this year's Oscar right. ceremony. The minute that came out, every single thing he's put online and Twitter, Instagram, whatever, has come up. And suddenly they find a whole bunch of homophobic jokes that he made many years ago. And at the speed of light, I don't know how many hours later or a day later, he's he's going to not do the thing. Then Ellen says, no, you should do it. And then, but it's he's off. It's over. But the whole point is, in Hollywood at least, they should be a little more aware of this. If, if there are people carrying multi-million dollar franchises – their face, the actor, you know, it's it's kind of like the director of uh, Guardians of the Galaxy, James Gunn, who made some kind of anti-Muslim jokes. It wouldn't if it's on Twitter, it's going to resurface, right? All you're going to do is type in James Gunn and start reading what he said. Right. So, the article is basically talking about how Hollywood needs to get a little bit more of a uh, research and. PR thing behind all the stuff they do to make sure that the people that are that are the face of the studios and the brands and the and the franchises are not going to get 
this happen. Back in the day, there used to be something called a Q score, which was just yep. essentially whether your likability, and and brands would use that, and you put a morals clause in a contract to see whether, um, you know, in case something goes haywire. But what I'm concerned about, and you know, the governor a couple of weeks ago, the with the blackface in, in Virginia, is I don't know how who who decides to apply and who decides who's going to get in trouble for it. Because for instance, Joy Reid from MSNBC, I like her. But I was very upset because it came out that two or three years ago, before she was famous, she had a lot, not a little, a lot of anti-LGBT um, talk Writings, on her blog. Yeah. On her blog. And then said, well, somebody must have hacked my blog. Now, she, and to, so to have her lecturing about, you know, the, about what the governor should have done 35 years ago, which if you took 35 years off of 1984, you're talking 1949. Mm-hmm. It was, it, change. I think there's Big a change. change. Yeah. But who decides that Joy can keep her job? Is it still, is so, you know, what it says to me, it's okay to still be anti-Semitic and anti-gay, but you can't be anything anti. <laughs> but that does bother me because I do think, I do think that, so he's in trouble for doing that, Kevin Hart. Yeah. But then there's other people that have done it. That and he did it in, in 2010. Right. Now, I, 10 is not that different than nine, except it's, you know, nine. But there's years. other people that have, done, you know, with the Me Too movement, right? There's other people that have, go back and, to... have not, it hasn't stuck to them and other people that have. Yeah, so I'm, yeah. who decides? I'll tell you, if you want to avoid the problem altogether... Stay off social media. There you go. And we were talking about this at lunch before the show today. And when we were talking about this particular article, Tim just said, if you don't want this problem at all, ever, then what are you doing? But they're forced. Uh, unless you're doing. They're forced to do that because it's all based upon what we say earlier. We want likes, likes and clicks and, and how many fans you have and who's paying attention and who's retweeting and who's going you viral. Know, it's almost like, I was going to say, it's almost like you should have only an Instagram account, and maybe you're a star, right? And all you do is show people what you eat every day. <laughs> but, you know, I bet you on the sixth week of that, you're going to photograph something, and someone's going to go ballistic about, oh, it wasn't this, it wasn't that. You're eating meat. It's not sourced humanely or whatever it may be. So I, don't, I just say, you're right, stay off social if you're in this kind of a field. I'm going to win but... the lottery and move to. <laughs> We're going to move you in the lottery. Huh? You're going to move to Montana? I don't know. Maybe Montana. Where would I go? Idaho. I liked Idaho. Did you? Oh, I, Idaho was pretty cool. But, you know, uh, Kip and Mike aren't there anymore. Arizona. They're mo- they, they moved. So we have, to, we have to like their new state a lot. We have to go down and visit them in their new state. Hot. Hotter than, yeah, blazes. I like snakes. Not now. Not right now. They're having a great, they're having a good winter. But Say goodbye. <laughs> hey, all right. We want to thank you for joining us today on the Focus Group. Um, thank you to Deep Discount. Visit focusgroupradio.com. Click on Sharky the Shark Arr, and start your savings. And remember to use code FG15 in the month of February on your entire order. It's a one-time use only code. Not good for games or game consoles and cannot be combined with other codes. Uh, we looked at award-winning films this this go-around and Tim picked the amazing To Kill a Mockingbird. Definitely see it. Gregory Peck, beautiful film. I picked the Honorable Woman, a BBC series, and the release this week was a movie we both kicked ourselves for not seeing in the theaters, Bohemian Rhapsody, about the band Queen. Don't text and drive. Arrive alive. And thank you again to the boys in the booth for bringing us to you every week. We could do, we do like a little salute, like a sign-off. <laughs> we'll see you next week. It's The Focus Group with Tim Bennett and John Nash. Accessible on all platforms. Subscribe, like, and rate us on your platform of choice. Learn more at focusgroupradio.com. 
That was a stunning focus group.